the, another horn. Another um, <laughs> that's kind of weird, like Area 51. Me, me. <laughs> Hello, Internet, and welcome back to the A to Z Horrorcast. This is the Creatively Titled Podcast brought to you by us over at A to Z Horror.com. I'm Jack, and I'm joined here by Jake and Mark, and we are sitting down as another part of our content on the Idaho Horror Film Festival. And this time, we are about to bring you an interview we got to do with one half of the writer and director team that brought you one of our all-time favorite horror movies. Maybe, as the podcast, collectively our favorite horror movie. It's right up there. Yeah, and like, the Blair Witch Project. Tremendous honor. Yeah, absolutely. First and foremost, like, fanboy moment number one. Prime. Pretty wild. Yeah. Number Prime. Absolutely. Yes. Number Prime. I'm yeah. very good at these. We got to sit down with Dan Myrick. Yes. Yeah. Holy shit. Who did also screened his brand new movie, yeah. Skyman. Yeah. Or Skyman, as we did accidentally. It was Skyman. It we, we should probably say it correctly yeah, at least it's once. Skyman. It's Skyman. Skyman. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's going to be coming out, I don't know, sometime in the future. We don't know right now. We, but we will talk about it, though. We talked to him about that. We talked to him about the Blair Witch Project. We talked to him about some other stuff. And we played Beers for Fears with him. So, oh, buddy. Fun interview all around. Yeah, great guy. Yeah. Listen in. All right. It is day three of the Idaho Horror Film Festival. We find ourselves in the top room of the Egyptian Theater, and we're sitting across from uh, Dan Myrick. Dan, thanks so much for being here. Great to be here. Awesome. And uh, it's your second time here in Boise. Is that right? That's right. Yep. Very glad to be back. And it's been about three years since I was here last. And last time was also with the Idaho Horror Film Festival. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So what, what brought you back? Didn't scare you away the first time, huh? No, no. I mean, uh, both Molly and, and uh, Susan have done a, an amazing job with the festival. And, uh, you know, it was sort of the Blair Witch 20th anniversary. So we had a retro screening for that. And that was I, awesome. I brought my family out this time. So my 14-year-old son, Tucker, got to see the movie for the first time in, a, in an audience, which was great. So um, so I loved coming out. I love the city of, of, of Boise and I, and I love the festival itself. They've got a you know, great program, really quality filmmakers. And it's just always a lot of fun. So we watched the uh, we were at that screening the other night with your uh, your son was there. You said you were going to get his critique afterward. I'm curious. Did, <laughs> did you get the download? What were his notes? I did get the download. He he told me he was very impressed, liked the movie a lot. It was really scary, um, and that was it. He was he was suitably impressed. But then again, you know, I pay his rent, so that's, <laughs> he's got to say it's that. Grain of salt. <laughs> he's like avoiding eye contact with you. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, any reason why he hadn't seen it yet? Is just, I mean, relatively. Young well, kid, I mean, he's he's pretty young, but and and just hadn't gotten around to it. And you know, when I knew I was going to be playing the festival here, I said, you know, let's just wait because you'll get to see it on the big screen yeah. in a crowd, um, in a real kind of favorable audience atmosphere, which I think is the best way to see it. So. Um, he agreed. Yeah, I'll, I'll wait till the festival and I'll check it out then. So it was cool. Yeah, it's funny. It's almost one of those movies where you think it's better to watch like alone in a dark room because you're going to get scared. But watching with a crowd was a ton of fun too. It's great that reaction. It is. I mean, both ways are valid. I mean, I've I've heard people say that you know they, a friend of them gave them a VHS tape and they watched it in their bedroom. That's a great way to see it. Yeah. Um, but also, the, you know, the whole communal environment with, with a bunch of um, you know like-minded people in a, in a theater is also great too. Especially, I think like. 
post-release. Like everybody kind of knows the movie now and most of the people seeing it now are just fans of the film. So seeing it together is a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. How many times have you seen it now at this point? Um, I mean, it's probably a few hundred, not counting the edit. <laughs> so, you know, Ed and I were editing it for over eight months. So I saw it over and over and over again. But um, so I don't really sit through it top to bottom anymore. I'll sure. watch the first few minutes to make sure people are sort of engaging and like technically it's all looking okay. But um, but it's it's actually more fun for me to see the reactions afterwards now. Yeah. I might be one of those people that thought it was real the first time I oh, saw really? it. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. I might, might be one of those people. <laughs> so. There were a lot of those people. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's a large absolutely. group. Yeah. <laughs> and you're here at the Idaho Horror Film Festival screening your new movie. Yes. Uh, Skyman or Skyman, we've also heard. Skyman. Skyman. Skyman yeah. is um, the my, my latest feature we shot out in the Apple Valley High Desert um, last year, and I just finished kind of editing it, and we did a test screening um, here at the festival, which uh, both Molly and, and Susan were um, you know, gracious enough to allow me to do. So I got a lot of great feedback at that screening, and we're really excited about it. It's a, it's a cool little kind of sci-fi docudrama that I've been wanting to do for a while. Yeah, and we, we all really enjoyed it when we watched it uh, the other night. And I noticed it seems to be like really, really character driven. And the Blair Witch Project had a lot of that in there, too. That... Well, yeah, I, I sort of like wanted to go back to my roots a little bit. Mm -hmm. Kind of do, you know, a very small film, kind of, you know, very small production footprint. Have a lot of creative freedom with it and let the actors sort of, um, you know, uh, a lot of free reign with the acting. And so I got two or actually three really great actors for it. And um and, and for me, uh, you know, it was sort of reminiscent of when I was growing up in the 80s and you know, where UFOs were in the zeitgeist. And there were a lot of stories about experiencers having seen aliens and some abductions and stuff like that. So I sort of pulled from all those memories as a kid and those stories. And I wanted kind of a character driven, you know, experiencer uh, story that is about this one guy who claims he was visited as a kid with, a, with an alien. Now he's going to go back and reunite with him. Now he's an adult. So um, I just thought that was a compelling story. And, and I think it speaks to a lot. I think what a lot of us feel that we're sort of outsiders and we're looking for some grander purpose in our life. And that was sort of the theme behind this. Talk to us about the difference between shooting a movie like Skyman that has deep sci-fi roots to mm -hmm. it. Um, versus something supernatural like Blair Witch? Well, they both sort of exercise a different muscle, but there is a lot of overlap. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's why you know, a lot of horror audiences are also sci-fi fans. And you'll see people that are engaged in UFOs are also into Bigfoot and paranormal and all that. So there's a lot of overlap there. And, and I like playing in that space. Um, the UFO subculture fascinates me and, and much in the same way horror subculture does. Um, but with... Skyman, I, I wasn't like actively trying to scare people like I was mm -hmm. on Blair. Blair's mission was like, at the end of the day, it has to be scary. Right. Where with Skyman, I just wanted to be more thought provoking. I wanted to kind of be about this guy's journey, about what he was believing in. Whether you believe in UFOs or not, you, you know he believes it. So it's following his journey of discovery and being sort of engaged in a character level that way. And, and so it's a little different approach a different mandate for the movie and um but in some ways similar you know so there's some overlap there definitely yeah and i know skyman is is kind of a, a documentary crew filming this guy yeah um, i'm actually kinda... technically a character in the movie yeah. so i think this is my first role in a film like, you know? <laughs> awesome. so but i'm off camera sort of errol morris type kind of peppering him with questions whenever it's appropriate and um and it also gave me the excuse to get a little kind of creative license like you know 
if it was him shooting his home movie, he probably wouldn't cut to a drone shot or whatever, where I can kind of get away with doing that. Right. So, um, so it was a little bit of meta going on there where I had to kind of evaluate if I was really the actual documentarian, how would I portray this guy's story? Right. So it was fun taking on that role as a filmmaker. It was a little different, different thing for me as a director. It was really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And the Blair Witch Project kind of famously caused the explosion of found footage movies here was like at least at the very yeah very for, yeah for better yeah. or worse it's yeah. you know it it certainly uh popularized that format yeah. and that style we we didn't invent it but it was it was uh it blew up yeah. you know after after it came out and i think it was you know, a lot of it was a result of just the timing you know with the internet coming into its own and we were all sort of being sensitized to like found or uh, reality TV shows and things like that. So yeah. Blair Witch sort of hit in that nexus when all that was sort of coming together. And it, that's one big reason why it blew up. Yeah. And is there something that draws you to that kind of found footage aspect? I know in one, they're filming themselves versus a documentary crew, but they're kind of similar. I do. I mean, there's, I, I, one, I love the creative freedom you have with it because it's, you, you can operate on a very low budget. So you're not beholden to a studio. You're not beholden to some big production company that's telling you how to, you know, do what you do. And that's really freeing to me. Yeah. And, um, and I like just being able to not necessarily have to abide by any production rule. I mean, obviously you have to tell a story, do something compelling, have good acting. There's no shortcut to good writing and all that. But, um, you know, some of those scenes like at the UFO festivals that are in the movie, it was just me with the camera and the actor in character. Yeah. And we were able to just walk around, ask questions, go to panels completely in character, incognito, and nobody knew who the hell we were. <laughs> and that kind of freedom, they just, you can't do it at studio. And so I love having that, 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 um, flexibility that, that, um, those kinds of small productions allow. So as far as that goes, since, uh, the release of Blair Witch Project, you put out a few other movies, Skyman obviously coming out, uh, pretty soon you're screening mm -hmm. right now um, are you are you the type of person who likes to constantly have a project on your plate or is there something that sort of triggers you to be like I want to get back in I want to start making another one I mean not necessarily I mean I took some time off after I mean I did a bunch of movies for Warner Brothers and then I did the, another movie called The Objective that we shot in Morocco and mm -hmm. and after that I was sort of burned out and I just took some time my kids had just been born at my, my first son and um, and uh, so we moved to Seattle and I just wanted to be a good dad and a good husband for a few years and, and pay attention to, 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 you know, raising them. And, um, and then, you know, the, that little voice in the back of your head says, you know what, you want to do this one story. You've been wanting to do it for a while. And, um, so we did a, a, a thriller called under the bed, which we did for mm -hmm. a and &E lifetime. And, um, I wrote a sequel for that, that may get done or not, but, um, and then this little story about this alien, visitation in this guy that's in search of, of kind of redemption. So, so it just depends. I mean, it really has to spark with me. It has to be an idea. And it has to now, as I'm getting older, it has to be a production kind of method with people that I, I really like working with. And I'm kind of done with dealing with kind of jerks and stuff like that. <laughs> I would rather just go kayaking nowadays than, than deal with, you know, the stress of, of working in a production environment that's just not healthy. Sure, sure. We also have a very low tolerance for jerks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, life's too short, man, yeah. to deal with that. Mm -hmm. It really is. Yeah. Well, you talk about this kind of small filming and, and being more personal with the cameras and stuff. So when you were filming the Blair Witch Project, were there any times where you got kind of scared out there filming in the woods too as all this oh, stuff's yeah. happening? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I dare anybody to go out into the woods without lighting because what yeah. you don't realize is how dark it really gets. 
Um, and it's pitch black. There's no there's no ambient lighting out there or anything like that. So you hold your hand in front of your face and you're you're you, you can't see a thing. So you start to feel very quickly that that alligator brain that kind of rises up in your head. Like I'm no longer at the top of the food chain, you know, <laughs> and, and, it, and it really has an effect on you. So every little bump in the night, every little sound, every little critter that makes a noise can be the next predator right around the corner. So um, so it gets it does get creepy. And there's always a, a not that I'm any like newbie out in the woods, but, you know, when you can't see anything out there, it's very easy to get lost. Even mm -hmm. if you're 40 feet from the road, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to get lost at night. So, um, and there was times where we sort of freaked each other out. You know how that is. Like you're sitting at home and we saw one time we saw this light in the woods, like, Oh my God, someone's approaching with a flashlight. We don't know what it is. Is it, is it a hunter or whatever? It ended up being a porch light on some house. So, <laughs> yeah. but we psyched ourselves oh, out. Yeah. We had a couple beers, but you know, we psyched ourselves <laughs> out so badly. It was, it was pretty funny. So there were those, Definitely those times. Awesome. Well, speaking of beers, we play a game on our podcast, what we call uh, Beers for Fears, nice. where whatever movie we're reviewing that week, we try to pair a beer with it. Cool. So, I like that game. That's talk awesome. to us for the Blair Witch Project. What beer would you pair with that movie? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I know what I would do for Skyman. This is okay. beer, this Washington beer that I really love um, called Space Dust. It's my favorite IPA. Legion, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a, we, that was the official beer um, on Skyman. But Blair that's Witch... Awesome. There's, there's got to be a witch. There's got to be a, a uh, an IPA or something that's got witch in it. I think there's a witch's brew IPA. Got to be. Something like that. Yeah. So that would be the one, in, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> I, like I think there is a witch's brew. You mentioned it. If I, if I actually I also believe there's a witch's tit. <laughs> well, there's that one, <laughs> yeah, too. Well, that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Either one will do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I am curious, kind of with this found footage thing that you do, it seems like your movies versus a lot of the other found footage movies that come out, you pay a lot of attention to the reasons that they continue to film when any normal person would put the camera down. Is that something you think about a lot when you film these? Yeah, movies? I mean, that's a big pet peeve of mine. I, I think um, that was a you know a huge question for us on Blair Witch is, is especially, you know, some would even call that film a survival film. Um, and you know, you have to ask yourself, why would the camera still be rolling under mm -hmm. such, you know, duress for the, for the characters? So we were very conscious of that idea early on in the process. So we wanted to make sure we casted people and in, in particular, Heather was the kind of personality that would continue driving forward and continue shooting, um, at all costs. And then ultimately sometime in the movie, there's a transition where it's stops becoming about her projects and shooting her film and yeah. it's more a chronicling of their survival <laughs> yeah. so that kind of gives us a reason as to why she's shooting and and with skyman i'm the filmmaker right so i'm you know understandably want to document right. this guy and what the hell's going to happen to him and what's his next move so when when found footage films don't take that seriously mm -hmm. when they when you're sitting like you know, in the midst of a very intimate conversation between two people and it's supposed to be reality. Like why, why are they letting this camera in their life right now? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, that's the first question that pops in my head is why is the camera rolling? There has to be an excuse for it to be in the room. Otherwise, even people that don't know filmmaking that well, it, there's a, it's subconsciously it works on that. It does, it feels contrived and I'm trying to avoid that for sure. Yeah. Uh, so on Blair Witch, the film crew is the actors themselves, right? Yeah. And perhaps apocryph apocryphally, I can talk well. Um, <laughs> they, it's, it was a relatively hands-off process. You kind of just gave them the cameras and said, here's the story mm -hmm. beats. Is, I guess what I'm driving toward, you talked about the edit earlier. Is there like a 
200 hour edit out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. That was the first one. <laughs> um, no, there's a lot of extraneous footage when you shoot that way. There's, you know, that's one of the things I try to tell people, even though the production may go quickly cause you're blowing through pages so quickly, it's the edit what bones you. Cause you've got so many different takes from so many different angles. Um, all each take is different. You may have a great dialogue beat, you know, at the end of one take over here that you'll need to grab to put it in the front of another. Take. So it really just takes, you have to look through every second of every take to, yeah. to, com, to, compel, uh, to comprise a scene. So it takes a lot of time and there's a lot of footage to go through. So that's why Blair Witch took us eight months to cut and Skyman took me about as long to cut it. So it's, okay. it really does cue the, <laughs> the, the horn. Yeah, exactly. the, the, it never fails, right? There's always that horn. But, but yeah, it took, it took quite a while to cut. And... Um, and look, it's, I like cutting that way. I'm an editor myself and I, I really enjoy editing my own, own, own stuff in a lot of ways. And, um, and it's, it allows you to, to get very intimate with the story. So, um, but yeah, there's, there's probably a 200 hour cut out there, <laughs> you know, on the hard drive somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> One notable difference between the Blair Witch Project and uh, Skyman is there's music in Skyman and there's a score. Yes. Kind of, so what, how did that come about in Skyman? Well, on Blair, I'm, again, it's from the it's from their own perspective, and we mm -hmm. wanted to make sure that uh, that there was no there was no imposition from um, the from the supposed production company that was showing the footage. This is more like an evidentiary sort of exposition where we're just showing what we found. So there wouldn't really be music on right, that. Right, right, right. Whereas on Skyman, this is me as a filmmaker sort of like telling this guy's story. So I'm taking some creative license with the cinematography, how I present it, and it's more like a standard documentary in a way where mm -hmm. I'm, I'm embellishing it at, at times and I'm trying to convey this guy's story from my perspective right. as a filmmaker. So it allowed me to put in some music in there and we were fortunate enough through our composer Don Miggs to bring in uh, Billy Corgan from Smashing pumpkins to give yeah. us a, some some music really as well cool. so apparently he's a big ufo uh fan and he really liked the script so um so yeah we've got some of his music in there as well which is i think really a, appropriate for for the movie yeah well it sounds like we better get you out of here we're okay. we're in a little low on time but uh before we do tell people where they can find skyman when's it coming out all that kind of stuff well skyman you can go to skymanthemovie.com and uh kind of stay up to date there we're having our world premiere at the austin film festival on the 27th which we're very excited about and our plan is to do a ufo festival tour with the movie that's awesome so uh mcminimus festivals in may um which we've have some scenes of in the movie and also roswell and we're going to do like I don't know, five or six of the premier UFO festivals in the country and treat it sort of like a, a tour dates where you have like the Skyman t-shirt with the tour dates on the back and, you know, we, we'll have a, a blast with it. That'll be fun. I was going to say, did you take it at all to the Storm Area 51 festival thing? We were, I was so close to doing that. <laughs> I had a friend that said, Dan, I got an RV. You can come out and stay in an RV. Is that another horn? Another um, <laughs> that's kind of weird, like Area 51. Me, me. Um, but... That was, uh, I was real close to going, I had a friend that went out and shot some shots for me out there, but um, I, I was almost, I was 90% done with the edit and I said, well, this would, inter this would open up a whole new Pandora's box if I went out and shot, you know, yeah. plus it's out of the chronology of the story. It's like, cause it's recent. So it, it, 
it's um, my story takes place last year, so I'd have to figure out how to make it work. And right, all that. right, right. So um, as, as tempted as I was to go check that <laughs> out, um, I, I had to I had to kind of actually finish my movie. So fantastic. <laughs> yep. There is that part. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again. We really appreciate it. Uh, it's appreciate an honor to be with you guys, man. Thank you.